Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Glad you're here. And we have a special guest today. Uh, you've heard me talk about him on a recent episode recently where I was doing an REI in your car. And I was talking about the one and only Rick Otten. And I don't know if you guys have heard of him before. He is a legend, in my opinion. He's been teaching, well, doing and teaching all about real estate and property investing for a long, long time. And he's he's more well-known in Australia and in England. But this gentleman is going to be talking about how he's doing deals all over the world. And the thing I love about Rick is he's he's actually still doing a lot of deals, but he's doing them virtually while he travels. And as we're talking to him right now, he's in England, and he's going to be going to Greece soon to flip some properties in Greece. <laughs> so we'll be talking about that. That's um, very near and dear to my heart. I've been I've traveled a lot myself and done deals while traveling and it's a lot of fun. You don't get to meet very many people that do that as well, but Rick has been doing it for a long long time. Uh, so we're going to be talking to Rick about that. And so to guys if you want the show notes, don't forget to go to realestateinvestingmastery.com to get the show notes of this show, to get the fast cash survival kit and check it out. All right? So Rick, how are you, sir? Oh, good day, Joe. Good, uh, good to hear from you, buddy. Nice, man. I'm so glad to have you on the show. Finally, I remember when I was first kind of getting familiar with podcasting. You had a podcast called Was it Creative Real Estate? Is that what it was called? Uh, yeah, it was Creative Real Estate. I think every man and his dog listened to that uh, podcast at the time. Yeah, yeah. I remember though. What was interesting? It was bigger in England and Australia than it was in the United States. Because in iTunes, you can go to the bottom and search the or change the country that you're searching from. And uh, you always ranked higher in the rankings under real estate when, when I changed the country to Australia than you did the United States. Did you know that? Well, you I'll tell that? you what. I'll tell you what. I was in San Francisco a couple of years ago. I walked into a bar. I ordered a beer at a bar in San Francisco. And a guy yells out and goes, you're Rick Otten. I nice. turned around and I said, how would you know? He says, mate, I listen to your podcast. Nice. <laughs> oh, Wow. That's so awesome. And uh That's funny. The your podcast now is called We Buy Houses, isn't that right? Yeah, We Buy Houses Radio and uh, it just has a bigger audience because that whole brand name now really is sort of recognized in so many different sort of parts of the world, really. Yes. And you're actually in England doing a workshop. You came to England from the great state of Iowa, right? Well, I did. Well, I met, you know, I was in Dallas, right, buying houses like, oh, gee, I don't know, 27 years ago. And I met my wife at a party in Dallas and she was there from Iowa. So when I think about the amount of times I've flown from Iowa to Australia, it's the most expensive date I've ever been on. (laughs) (laughs) And you've been doing real estate since the 80s, right? Mate, the savings and loans. Mate, I was in Dallas, Texas when the savings and loans collapsed, right? And all those banks uh, went out of Texas and went out of Louisiana, New Mexico, Oklahoma. And uh, people were selling houses with MasterCard and Visa card stickers on the side of their house. Wow. I mean, that was that was a time when I was, remember, I was buying houses there for, I remember, I went and I was buying 
flats and apartments, two bedroom uh, air conditioning for like 400 bucks. I was buying houses for 1500, but no one else was buying, Joe. The whole thing dropped like 95% and everybody freaked out and no one was buying. I think I was the only guy in there at the flying because I came from Australia and I was too stupid to know any, anything better. <laughs> What's funny is you called them flats <laughs> and I know you corrected it and you called it apartments, but especially, yeah. especially Dallas, Texas, they don't call them flats. Uh, yeah. But that's funny. You, you were, so the savings and loans, a lot of people forget those times or don't even know oh. about them, Rick. Wow. That was, that was almost as bad, if not just as bad as this recession we just had, wasn't it? Look, I tell you, it was disastrous at the time, mainly because there were three things that came together all at once. But when that banking system went and all those banks failed, there really was no financial institutions in Texas for about four years there. Wow. And you really couldn't get real estate loans at all. So the way I used to transact it, I could get a car loan, but I couldn't get a real estate loan. So I used to get the car loans, and if you brought my car, I'd give you a free house. And I used to go around and I used to just make payments to everybody on houses because no one had any money. So I used to just make payments. I tell you, it was so bad that people would give you 5000 or 8000 just to take over the loan on their house. That wow. was the – wow, that was a time I've never seen since then, yeah. They would pay you to take over their loan. They'd pay you to take over their loan so they wouldn't lose their credit and there were just no buyers. Everybody was out. Prices, the vacancy, I think vacancies were about 35% because all the Yankees went back up north, remember, because all yeah. the oil price, everybody started getting their oil out of the Middle East. It was so much cheaper. So they they, they tapped all the oil in Texas and all the Yankees went back up north. It was massive. Um, uh, the, 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 no one was doing anything in the oil business. And Reagan changed that 70% uh, tax rate down to 28 and when he dropped it from 70% to 28, everybody was buying all those condos to get the tax breaks. And when he dropped it to 28%, no one could get the tax breaks. And we just dumped all the stuff. And, uh, man, it was just a crazy, crazy time. And there was just no buyers. And then the finance institutions all collapsed. And, man, you just had to get a piece of paper and wing it. So if you if you had problems finding buyers and you get these properties under contract, could you still find tenants to rent them out to? Yeah, my ad used to say, this is the deal. I remember the ad, right? I used to say, this is the deal. Rent my condo for six fifty a month, and I'll give it to you as a free gift. <laughs> and I so, so I used, right? So people, I used to say, well, you know, how, what if I only rent it for 10 years? Well, then I'll give you the bathroom. Rent it for 20, you can have the whole thing. But that's how I used to do it. And I used to say, here's a funny part. I used to say, um, if you're not an investor, don't call. If you haven't got the cash, don't call. If you can't move in tomorrow, don't call. And everybody used to just pile in, and that was my deal. I was like, um, you'd rent it, and uh, I'd give it to you as a free gift if you paid your rent on time. And I just made the money out of the income streams. Wow. So were you <laughs> – and you would tell them all the reasons why not to call you. I'd tell you all the reasons. I'd say if you're not a property investor, I used to say this is for wholesalers only. If you're not a property investor, do not call. If you can't do the transaction tomorrow, do not call. If you haven't got the cash, do not call. All the mums and dads, right, now felt they were locked out, and they'd queue up down the street. And what I used to do was I remember once I brought these four uh, condominiums in a row from a guy in California at 10.30, and I didn't have the money to pay for them, and I had to pay for them at, at 2.30 in the afternoon. So I got one stick with uh, the condo for sale, ran that ad, everybody lined up, and I sold 14 in a row, and I sold them at 10.30, so I had the money to pay for them at 2.30 in the afternoon because I had to buy them. 
Wow. So asylum for a border, which is a really, really crazy time. And the best line I ever got, Joe, let me tell you how crazy it was, right? The government, uh, the RTC, which was looking after this whole thing, the Resolution Trust Corporation, yeah, they were so desperate to get this property back out, they were giving loads to everybody, right? I'm an Australian guy, right? I'm in a desert with no T-shirt, and they rang me up from Washington. They said, um, Section 26, Mr. Wright, and you didn't complete the line. I said, well, what was the line I was meant to complete? I said, well, you're meant to have supplied five tax returns for this loan from the U.S. government. And I said, well, I'm not an American. I don't have U.S. tax returns. As well, it doesn't say they have to be U.S. tax returns. And I said, well, I could give you Australian tax returns, but I haven't been in Australia for five years either, so I'd give you five years <laughs> tax returns with nothing on them. <laughs> he said, well, it doesn't say there has to be anything on them. So I sent them five years of Australian tax returns with nothing on them, and they funded a whole building for me at 9% over 30 years. It was great. Every condo had like a mortgage of 55 bucks a month, and I was renting them for 450 That was really that was great times. Wow. Do you still own any <laughs> Do you still own any of no, that property in Texas? No, over the years, over the years I got rid of it. I had a lot of it. I had a lot of pro- yeah, I think in my first year like I got in there like about 76 properties. I had no idea what I was doing. But I tell you what it was. I started trying to rent them and I got so bogged down with tenants and management and repairs that I started putting them all out on contracts and lease options just to stabilize the income. And then over the years, as I've moved into different countries, you know, Australia had some serious property booms there, and uh, I started buying in Australia and the UK, just different parts of the world. But it was you know, a bit of a novelty at the time. It was I don't I don't know if that time will ever come again, but it was a crazy time. Wow, and that was at a time too when it was easier to assume loans, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. So they knocked out loan assumptions in 1989. So any loan before 1989 was fully assumable. So we were right there at about 1989, 1990. So a lot of those loans were assuming. And um, I remember in 1991, when the Resolution Trust Corporation pulled out of Dallas on the 25th of November, they had this really big auction where they decided to auction all the properties, Joe. Okay, so yeah. this will make you laugh. Every investor was only allowed to have one property at the property auction because they wanted to leave enough left over for all the mums and dads who'd been missing out on all these great deals. And so what happened was they had 500 properties and only about 200 investors in the room. And so, of course, you had too many properties. And it was an absolute auction, which means it sells at whatever price, even though they go for four pennies or five pennies, these properties were going. And so we'd sort of run out to the homeless guys and they'd give it, we'd give them a warranty deed for $7 so that they could put their hand up and buy a house for a few pennies. And then they'd give us a warranty deed back for 7 bucks. We'd give them a carton of beer. Then we'd have another house for 10 bucks. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we'll ever see that again. It was just the time. So, yeah, you know, so we all move on. Wow. And so it, it seems to me like at that time it was easier to buy houses creatively. Or was it? I mean, can you still buy houses creatively today? Yes, you can. The thing is, in those days, you had to think. Mm-hmm. You see, what happened was the biggest problems when, when the money came back and the finance came back, and I said to my guys now, it, it becomes too easy. And so they go the easy way. They stop being creative. But when you when you have nothing, nothing, and you're looking at the greatest opportunity in, in what I call real estate history, you've got to make a decision. You're either going to be, I wish I had, or glad I did. And I didn't want to go through the rest of my life telling the stories about what I never did. Wow. So I just got pieces of paper and made the stuff up. I just made the stuff up as I went along. <laughs> you know? 
I'm writing that down. I think that'd be a great title for this podcast. Yeah, because <laughs> you you know, so many people talk about it. Yeah, are you a glad, a glad you did guy or a wish you had guy, right? Yeah, that's really good. Wow. Yeah, and wow. Uh, uh, and so it was just one of those times. And you know what? I'll tell you why I was able to do it, because I didn't know anything, Joe. I came out of TV, right? I was over there doing a TV show on Fox, and uh, and then what happened was I, I I was there on a tourist visa, and I came up with an idea for Fox, and Fox had just moved into the U.S. to take on CBS, ABC, and NBC, and I had some creative show content. And, of course, that, that kind of took off, and then the immigration guys got upset with me because I was on a tourist visa. So... The TV show finished. So I actually knew nothing about real estate, nothing at all. So you got to get creative when you know nothing, right? Yeah. So um, backs against the, when it backs against the wall, you can only go forward. And uh, I think that what happens with is I always say to my people, I tell you what, in a perfect world, what I'd like you guys to do is burn your wallet when you walk in the front door. Burn your wallet. You'd be surprised how creative you get. Interesting. Well, you know what? Why you got me on a roll? Let me tell you one thing. I always say to uh, uh, people who can't get sellers to fund their houses, right? And I've heard all your podcasts, but I know you'll love this and all your, your listeners will love this. The way I get my sellers to fund all my my properties because I don't like banks is I actually stay and I say to the seller when I buy his house, Joe, I actually tell him, I say, sir, I want to be up front. I'm going to make a whole bucket load of cash out of your house. I'm going to make a really filthy big profit. And he looks me blank. Go, How do you feel about that? He goes, well, geez, I guess I want some. I say, great, come along for the ride. I'll split the profit with you. And all the sellers go, okay. Now, all of a sudden, they've all bought their house, they've all brought the finance, and I just give 15% of my profit to the sellers. I never need money to buy houses. It, wow. So you're, you're taking the position of, I'm going to make a bunch of money, and yeah. I'll oh. share the profit with you. Make it a yeah, fun, because, make it a what? party. Yeah. Look, the seller knows you're going to make money, right? Yeah. But there's all this anxiety in the room. He's thinking, are you taking advantage of me? Are you ripping me off? It's like the elephant in the room, right? So I say, sir, guess what? Let me tell you something. You're probably thinking right now, I'm going to rip you off. Or let me tell you something. I'll get it right up front. I'm going to make a squillion out of this. I'm going to make bucket loads of cash. And the guy gets a look on his face like, I cannot believe you're telling me this. And then I just say, hey, let me ask you something. You want some? let's go well yeah so we're coming on for the ride let's split the profit and they go wow okay what do I have to do and I say just sit here do nothing I'll put the whole thing together come back to you we'll split some of these profits we'll work out how we're going to do that and by the simple fact that I said sit here and keep doing what you're doing it's a nice way of saying you keep paying the mortgage you keep paying the taxes you keep paying the insurance you do nothing well I'm out trying to put this thing together and then catch you in on some of the action and uh, I, I fund all my deals that way Wow, that's a that's a fantastic idea. I can hear all of the light bulbs going off in people's minds. So, okay, then let's can we dive into a little more detail on that then? Yeah. You do a lot of creative deals where you're not using your own cash yeah. or credit. So, are you taking these mortgages over subject to or are you doing owner financing, lease options, all of the above? Look, all of the above, I don't think there's the, anything I've never done, okay? Now, yeah. sometimes, you know, like, it's funny. Uh, people say to me, well, aren't you breaking all the banking rules? And I'm thinking, you know what? You paint a house, um, you know, without getting written permission from a bank, and if you read the contract of a mortgage, you've probably broken the banking rules. Um, but there's one thing I've learned with banks over the years, and uh, I've had some very senior meetings with very senior bankers, and I've actually said to them over the years, you know, you give me all this money and you know that I'm going to do this and do this and do this and I'm breaking all the banking rules. And I tell you what, I've had some senior bankers say, 
while it's good for the bank, it's good for the bank, and we don't know what you're doing. <laughs> when it's bad for the bank, we'll remind you of what you're doing. Uh-huh. <laughs> you don't want to really. You, you don't want to yeah. raise the red flags. You want to make those payments. You know what? If you're making the payments and the bank really knows you're making the payments and we all just turn it, it's all banks the same all around the world. You know, Joe, banks want money, right? Yeah. Banks don't want problems. Uh, even me, I got, I sell my houses I had on contracts and I specifically say in there that the guy can't rent the house out. Now, I promise you, 50% of them are probably rented out in different parts of the world. But I, as long as the money keeps coming in, what do I care? I'm sitting here in a short sleeve shirt. With no, you know, no flip flops on my feet and a pair of shorts in Bath, you know, like kicking back. So I don't care as long as I get paid. I don't care who's in my house. Okay. So now, but the cool thing about this, Rick, is that you're doing this all over the world. You're buying houses in Australia, in the UK, in the United yeah. States, and soon Spain and Spain. Yeah, I'm doing it in Spain. Yeah, now I'm going into Greece down next week. And you're going to Greece. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about some of the differences? in these countries and does it doesn't that when i think of that it stresses me out a little bit if i were to be honest like oh wait let me step you through this let me step you through this okay the biggest fear people have is they say they never see the house okay and Uh how can you buy a house you've never seen but i want you to think about this guys when we all buy a house let's think about all the people who see it the banker sees it the appraiser sees it maybe some insurance guy sees it the estate agent the real estate agent guy sees it so really when we buy a house normally there's three or four people who might see it the building inspector sees it so all we're really doing is taking you out of the equation and saying you know what if the building inspector is going to see it the banker's going to see it maybe the guy that does the property valuation is going to see it the agent is going to see it, who's going to lease it out. And then you can see it through Google Maps these days. You can see the outside of it on pretty much every house in the world. Yeah, You can get straight on software. You've got to say to yourself, well, do I really need to see it? So the only time when I physically will see it, and not always then, is if it's my cash. Now, if I put my cash in, which I'm liable, I could lose all my cash, then either I'm going to see it or... I'm going to call up some guy in some country like I did the other day, and I called up one of the guys in Birmingham. I said, let me ask you something. Have you ever had a holiday in Spain? He said, no. I said, would you like one? He said, yes. I said, great, jump on a plane, fly down to Spain, check this property out, I'll pay for everything. Now, that cost me, Joe, 200 pounds, right? Okay. I'm in in Sydney, Australia. He's going for 200 pounds, knocking himself out, and I've said, here are all the things I need you to check out about the property. Um, he, he can do all that. I don't need to do that. I mean, I don't. Have, if, the, if you're taking over loans and doing lease options and stuff like this, some tenant buyer is always going to tell you what the condition of the house is like, and uh, you get people to take photographs of the inside of it anyway. And it's only scary if you get a bank loan for which you're liable, or you put a whole bucket load of cash. But if it's not your bank loan, you don't put a whole lot of cash in it. Maybe you're just a transaction engineer, and if you're a transaction engineer. Maybe you just want a profit for the transaction. The guy yeah. that coming in, the guy that's going to come in, will tell you it's a sucky property. And normally, what I do is, if I pick up a house, I get the tenant who's in the house or the seller that's in the house to sell it to the new guy for me anyway. <laughs> All right. So the because I've 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 flipped a lot of houses I haven't seen. Yeah. Well, what about like the legal issues or the contracts? Because every country does them differently. How do you learn yeah. that stuff? 
Okay, now let me give you an example exactly how we're stepping through Greece, and this is a real classic example, right? Yeah. First of all, every time you go to a new country, you've got to understand they're going to tell you it's never going to work in this country. It might work in America, might work in Spain, but our country is different. Well, people are the same in every country of the world. They all get medical problems. They all get divorced. They all get business bankruptcy. So people and people issues never change, Joe. Right? Okay, yeah. We know that, right? Right. So what we have in Spain, we have an incredible situation. The banks have stopped lending to anybody. The only loans that are out there are the old bank loans that were there before the Greek crisis of about four or five years ago. Well, all the Greek prices have dropped as people have tried to sell these properties in the Greek crisis. Well, all the properties have dropped to the debt level. So there's no equity left in any properties in Spain. All you got is a whole bunch of bank loans that people don't want to pay on anymore. So then I thought, okay, well, I've got to organize a contract for deed or some sort of loan assumption paperwork to take over loans in Spain, in Greece. Now, first of all, the first few lawyers will tell you why you can't do it, okay? Yeah. And then you kind of, and then I've learned one lesson in life. When a lawyer tells you what you can't do, get him to give you the reference of what section, of what act, of what book it actually says that. Because one thing I've learned over the years is when lawyers don't know how to do something, they say it's illegal. Yep. If, they, if they say they don't know how to do it, they look incompetent. If they say it's illegal, they can charge you a fee for it. Yep. So I usually say to them, specify what act, what bit, what bit. Now, here's the thing. After World War II, most countries in the world created contracts to assume loans because the banking system was shot, Okay. But we haven't used these old contracts for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. So what I'm doing in most countries is using the old contracts created by the banking system or the non-banking system, if you like, by the Acts of Parliament to accommodate the fact that people needed to buy houses after World War II. There were no banks had to trade between the buyers and the sellers. And I've just updated all those contracts. They still exist. Really? Yeah. But most of the new lawyers are 25 and 30 and 40, and they're used to having banks funding deals. And, you know, you get these old timers who are about 70, 75, and they go, oh, yeah, I remember back there in 1947, we had to sell houses in Athens, and there's no bank loans, and so we used to use this thing called a blah, and everybody's got a name for it, but the name has just changed from country to country. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, does, does Greece have, like, their own version of realtors, people that, um, estate agents? Yeah, but most Greek people, which I think is really exciting, Joe, uh, most countries like the United States and Australia and England, most people, as you know, will use a realtor to buy and sell properties. Well, there's very few realtors in Greece. Most people deal direct where the buyer and seller sit in the coffee shop and have a coffee and deal direct. So, so not that many people in Greece use a realtor to trade properties, which I love because I'm dealing directly with my sellers. Interesting. Now, um, uh, are now you? I can't use one technicality. What you're going to find is lease options. I can't work in um, in Greece because I have a problem taking the security. If I take an option on a property, as you know, normally in the United States, I can take, I can put something on the on the title to tell the world that I have an interest in the property. I can't do that under Greek law, so I've got to do a contract for deed, uh, installment yeah. contract, something like that, a different product, but gets the same result. 
Are you when when you travel to Greece? Do you find other investors that are already kind of doing it themselves as well? Uh, usually, no. What I usually find is as we go in Greece, I I find somebody like there's a guy called Christos, and uh, there's just a guy I taught real estate to who's from Greece, and they usually always end up saying to me, you know, could we do this in Holland? Could we do it in Greece? Could we do it in Tokyo? And I have a rule that says this: uh, people are people the same. Uh, you point out where the lawyers are and I'll pay the legal bill. So I normally pay the legal bill to get the first set of paperwork set up. And then the kind of, if you like, I joint venture with the students, the joint, they take you into the new country and I kind of guide the ship and then they sort of stoke the boiler. So he's lined up the properties um, and then I don't speak Greek. So we'll go to each one. Now, what we're going to do is really exciting. You'll love this, right? You know, quite often you and I do deals all day long, right? Sure. But people say, you know what, but what's it like being inside the house? Like, you know, you say, I did this, I did this. And I thought, but no one actually gets inside in the lounge room and see how the negotiation comes together. So what I'm going to do is when I do the Greece this time and I'm buying these houses for no money and I don't speak Greek in people's lounge rooms in Athens, I'm going to film it. And that way people can see how it all comes together. With a translator. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And so I'll just do it that way. And you just step through it one step at a time. And then the question I keep asking myself is really two things. Will someone pay more for this property than what I'm paying? And if I'm not sure that someone will pay more for it than what I'm paying, then I will not go in without a trigger clause. And a trigger clause says I will pay the seller when the buyer pays me. Right. Okay, so if I that's the question I always ask. So, guys, whoever listen to the podcast, you ask yourself, and I, I, I take the other thing. I'm only the second most stupid man in the world. So, if I make a mistake, someone stupider than me will take me out of it. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love that trigger clause because that takes away all the risk, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And I tell people, I say to people, I tell them, <clears throat> let me start putting this together. Now, that's a nice way of saying I'm spending no money until someone's spending money with me. And so then I go and put all the other elements in place, and then when the guy starts paying me, then the seller starts getting paid. Otherwise, I'm not writing a check. Nice. Huh. So, Rick, you're teaching this to people literally all from all over the world. You're, you've, have you ever done – I know you're doing workshops in Australia and in, in England. Um, do you ever do workshops in the United States? Uh, although I started in the United States and I built the business in the United States – um, no, and uh, only because um, the United States is pretty well serviced with guys like yourself who are uh, teaching the stuff. What I did, Joe, 27 years ago, I recognized that the most creative real estate people were in the United States. No one outside the United States, Joe, was doing what lease options, land contracts. They weren't doing it in any other country. Right. What I realized was a lot of the other countries were under British law because, you know, England overtook half the world. So what I did was I just started changing the legislation and all the laws, if you like, and or the or read all the legislation in the other countries around the world and said, how can we do in the other countries around the world what we do in the United States? That was it. Okay. And just started saying, well, if they do it in the United States, they call it this. If we had to do it in this country, what would we call it in this country? And then just figure out over a long cup of coffee and I found that if you spend enough money, everything moves from being illegal to legal. If you write a big enough check, and everybody sort of comes to the table, and off you go. 
I've talked to investors, property investors in uh, England before, and they've they've told me things that are interesting. But would you agree with this that it, as a generalization, investors are maybe five to ten years behind the United States? Um, yeah. When I, yeah. When I brought the uh, let me give an example. When I brought we buy houses into the UK in two thousand and two. Okay. So I brought that company. Uh, in the UK in 2002, not, there were new lease options did not exist. Land contracts did not exist. Nothing created. It, it, there was nothing that people did except get a bank loan and put down 25% cash. In 2005, 2006, I introduced lease options in the UK. Now, here's what was interesting. I think every legal firm said they were illegal and you couldn't do it. Now, it's become such a huge business, and I didn't start training people until 2008, 2009, because We Buy Houses was trading in the UK just buying and selling houses. We started teaching other people what we are doing in 2009. Now, everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing lease options, and all of a sudden, although there's been no change in the legislation, all the lawyers that used to say it was illegal have now realized how much money's in it, uh-huh. and now they're all saying how legal it is, right? That's oh, just yeah. how it is. But yeah. they are. They're 10 years behind. Like, um, I'm teaching strategies here, um, even this weekend, you know, like 10 10s, right? Like, you know, I pay sellers 10% more than what they want for the house over 10 years. And I've just figured out that that way I can buy houses for half price. Now, all this kind of stuff is 10 years behind. It is, it is 10 years behind the US, correct? I love, Rick, how you talk to sellers and how you present these ideas. It's brilliant. And, and the, you know, I've not listened to all of your podcast episodes, but every one I have listened to, you come up with these incredible gold nuggets like unmotivated sellers will make you old. <laughs> Motivated yeah. sellers will make you rich. <laughs> well, that's it. Uh, yeah. love it. Um, yeah. So how can people, Rick, get to know you more? Um, do you have a, a good website that we can send people to? Look, I, I tell you what, rickotten.co.uk, and that Otten is Rick, R-I-C-K-O-T-T-O-N.co.uk, uh, forward slash deal finder. And I tell you why, a lot of people know my background in writing books on body language and talk language and communications and stuff. So in the deal finder, which they can go to rickotten.co.uk forward slash deal finder, I actually lay out the scripts that I use and you've just pulled a few nuggets out of that, as to what it is I say to buyers and sellers to want them to grab the forms out of my hand and do the deal. I am typing my name and email in right now. Yeah, because remember, (laughs) uh, you know what? If I can give you this great nugget, okay? Uh, Joe, no one ever gives you the wrong answer. You just ask the wrong question. Mm -hmm. Right? You ask the right... Some questions have have more money attached to them than others. So... It's just on what, what's the right question. That's really good. Yeah. I want to go to one of your workshops someday, Rick. Well, we're, we're, we're going to catch up. I'm going to get back to Iowa. And I'll tell you what, we're going to, um, you, you're not that far down the road from me. So uh, I'm going to get back there about August, September. I think the corn will be uh, pretty high there. So after <laughs> I do some sickling, after yeah. I do some sickling, I'll give you a call <laughs> from the farm. <laughs> you and I will get together and catch up. Yeah. That's so funny. Those of you listening here, um, I've been trying to get a hold of Rick for a while, and he's a busy guy. And we have a mutual. How did we connect? We had a mutual. We have a mutual friend. Yeah, I forget who uh, it was. A, a guy in the UK, and and I married the oldest of the. You know this this uh, Petticoat Junction, right? This old, uh, yeah, uh, um, 
Uh, Green Acres kind of thing. I I married the oldest of the three farmer's daughters, and so I've got a farm there, a corn farm in Iowa. Yes. And uh, it's, it's it's the only place I think left in the United King, the United States that has no no internet, and it's got no cell phone service. So you sit there <laughs> on the front porch and you just you just whittle, Beautiful. whittle, and watch the corn grow. Right. So Beautiful. So no, but so crazy how we met because I've been listening to your podcasts. Uh, I just love what you do and teach, and I met somebody. In well, I was in Spain. They were from England, and uh, right. they gave me. They knew you, and they gave me your Skype ID, I believe, or email. Okay, and right. uh, I reached out and um, we talked to you. And you said you asked me where I lived, and he said, "Hey, I'm going to be in Iowa," and yeah. uh, like of all places, <laughs> Iowa. This world traveler who who does deals all over the world is going to be in Iowa for a little while, and and so. I, apparently you it's funny because uh you'll go there in the spring during harvest i mean during pl- planting season and come back in the fall during our harvest when it's a little nicer weather well people always say to me what's my favorite part of the world and i say summer uh-huh <laughs> so wherever it's warm i'll be there <laughs> nice nice well rick it was great talking to you and guys again rick's website is rick otten that's r i c k o t t o n .co.uk, that is .co.uk. And the special um, package he was talking about is rickotten.co.uk slash dealfinder. I'll have a link to that in the show notes. So go to Real Estate Investing Mastery, do a search for Rick. You'll find this podcast. Go to it right now. I'm looking at it. It looks great. You got a video of yourself. looks like you're on the beach. Is it in Spain or do you remember, Rick? Well, I I, I, I live on the beach. So it's anywhere. It might be Australia. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, I live on the beach. Nice, nice. Rick, do you have? I have another question for you. Um, yeah, is this is this the best place to go to for people to find a course that you have or a book that you've written or anything like that? Tell you what, I uh, look. The best thing might be uh, rickhighton.co.uk forward slash intensive, but uh, and I, I do a course there. And I uh, in, in the different parts of the world. Uh, when you get onto my um, uh, website, there's a lot of free stuff. There's okay. a lot of free stuff that people can just plug into. There's the as I said, the podcast that we buy houses radio dot uh, com. And uh, yeah, I mean, people sort of bump into me and they say they listen to that. So there's a lot of free stuff. There's a lot of plugins, Joe, that they can get off that website. Nice, and. Um... Yeah, so a podcast is We Buy Houses Radio. Just go to iTunes, do a search for that, yep. listen to some podcasts, subscribe to it, leave yep. Rick a review. And um, yeah, I found your uh, intensive here. Your next one is what you must be there now. We just finished it. I yes. think I just finished it yesterday. Yes. Okay. So your next one will be on here when you get that scheduled. Yeah, that's going to be real late in the year because now, of course, I'm going to go to Greece and someone said, I don't think you can buy houses in the Ukraine. And I thought, you seriously should not have said that. <laughs> so now I'm thinking, well, I can't buy a house in the Ukraine, but nothing else. My wife goes, why are you going to the Ukraine? Because someone said you can't do it. No, Rick, so you gotta go here you go, here you go, Rick. You can't buy houses in Prague. Is that is that a bet or is that how it is? <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking for an excuse to meet you in Prague sometime. I, I've been there. Well, that, I tell, that's a you have. But you know what? It is an old expression that says there's nothing you can't do. It's just an undiscovered process. 
As nice. I said, all my guys, it's just that the, it's nothing that you can't do. It's just the undiscovered process that no one's worked out how to do, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, you can do it. Just got to work out the process under which you can do it. Nice. Okay. All right. Uh, hey, thank you very much, Rick, for your time. I know you're really busy. I appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk to us. And I hope you have a, a good rest of the evening there in England. Okay. Good on you, mate. Thanks, Joe. Speak to you all soon. Take care. Bye-bye. 